0: from some of the world's best chefs no less. Find your next favorite all in one place on HBO Max. Start streaming today, download the app, or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial.
1: This episode is sponsored by Peacock, NBC's new streaming service. From classic movies like The Matrix to thousands of episodes of current and timeless TV series like Friday Night Lights and Downton Abbey, Peacock's got it all. But the really exciting part is that it's totally free. Yeah, free. Download Peacock and get the best of streaming and the best of TV. You can watch for free and download for even more on your TV, tablet or phone. Go to peacocktv.com to download and start streaming now. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Today on the show, we're going to start out by investigating a listener write-in. Later on, we'll hear some new music by Aoife O'Donovan, and we'll also check in with our missing co-host, Nate, to see how he's doing on his research about popular music from the 1920s and 30s. So every day, lots of people write in to Switched on Pop to suggest songs or artists that they would like to hear on the show. And there are so many good suggestions, but this one person keeps writing us. In fact, over the past two months, He's written us, I think, like 30 times with the same idea. And so I figured we really ought to invite him on and allow him to have his piece. I have along here with me Alex Kappelman, one of the producers of the Narrative Music Podcast Pitch.
2: I think there's only one way to greet you, Charlie. (laughs) What's that? Hey! (laughs) For the last two
1: months, you have written us almost every other day with songs that say, Hey! Do you want to just share a little bit about what's been bothering you that you just you had to have covered on switch on pop?
2: Yeah, sure. So one day I was just kind of listening to a song. Um, I think it was um, Roar by Katy Perry. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of heard like a like a hey, you know, like this like hey, that was like washed out with reverb. Huh. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a funny sound. That's that's cool that like she uses that like percussively. And, and then I was listening to another song and I heard that, Hey, and then I listened to another song and then another song and another song. It's like, I hear it everywhere. And I want to know like, what's going on? Like, like, where did it, like, how did this, how did did it start?
1: I have to say, I'm kind of honored because on your show pitch, you do an amazing job diving deep into narrative stories about helping us to listen more deeply. So I figured you might just take this on your own, but you've, uh, employed us to do the research for you.
2: Yeah. We're deep in, uh, we're, we're deep in, uh, research for our next season. So I figured I'd outsource this to you.
1: (laughs) Well, with this idea, I have to be honest, when you sent it to me, I couldn't figure out the nugget of what, what is this hay thing? And so I kind of did like the really obnoxious journalist thing and just consulted the dictionary. (laughs) I really hate when people do that, but it's the first place I went. And I actually think that it gives us a decent clue into how hey is being used in all these pop songs.
2: (laughs) The dictionary, huh?
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I went there. Okay, here's the gist. The word hey comes from Middle English from about 1200.
2: 1200, huh? That's like, that's way longer than I would have guessed.
1: It's been around for a long time. And um, uniquely, pretty much just in the U.S., it's used as a friendly greeting. Like, hey, Alex, how you doing? obviously the OED also tells us that hey is used to attract attention to express surprise interest or they even say annoyance
2: (laughs) okay okay good to know
1: so I consulted the dictionary I listened to all 30 tracks and I started to see this pattern emerge in my research I found that there are three reasons that artists are using hey as a musical element and lucky you Alex I'm going to reveal them to you so let's do it do you want to get into the first one
2: yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm, Dude,
1: I'm so into this. Reason the first. It's, it's hailing the listener. It's actually just saying hello, right? So a song like Hey Jude is saying hello, both to the character Jude, and it also is opening with this idea of, hey, hey, take a listen. Invite you into the song. Hey Jude,
2: don't make it bad. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about the second one before.
1: Yeah. Some of the more modern examples that you were sending along was, was first the Carly Rae Jepsen tune, I Really Like You first thing you hear hey hey hey, hey, hey. <laughs> exactly hey i really want to stop but just... hey with a little reverb and a little bit of delay and this is really just it's there to greet us into the song um you had some other examples though
2: yeah i had like a ridiculous amount of other examples
1: <laughs> okay so the, uh, the next one that i saw that is sort of doing the same thing okay similar to the, the carly ray jepsen song is grime's venus fly yeah i love this song
3: Exactly, exactly. It's such a
1: good track. Um, so similarly to the Carly Rae Jepsen song, the very first thing you hear is hey. It's it's saying hello. It is literally greeting us into the song. One of the things you noted in your email, though, was that a lot of these hays have this reverb tail. They're sort of washed and reverb and echo and delay, lots of effects going on. Mm-hmm. I think that Grimes is starting to use her hey for another effect, the, the second of the three reasons artists are using hey, percussive effect, where, in fact, the hey isn't really acting as a hello or a lyric. It's really much more acting as a drum.
2: Yeah, OK, I buy that. I totally buy that. I'm I'm, in, I'm into that.
1: So I sort of believe that in the world of offbeats, you have a hierarchy of different hits.
2: Yeah, but so by by offbeat, you mean the, the two and the four? The two and the four,
1: exactly. So, the, you know, the primary thing that you're used to hearing is a snare, right? You're boom. To elevate and get even sort of more energy, sometimes you'll hear the rim of the snare, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a faster, harder hit. Um, also popular to build more energy are hand claps. Okay. And I kind of feel like the hey is the most energetic way of hitting that offbeat, hitting that two and four. Yeah,
2: because it's kind of like it's, it's a human voice, right? And it's like, and especially if you're saying hey, and it's like, you know, like the hey, like you just said, like it commands attention.
1: Exactly. So there's a couple of examples um, in in modern music that I think is doing this. You sent me Ariana Grande's "Break Free." Yeah,
2: this is another song I love. Okay, I'm gonna play
4: it. Better,
2: oh, that's a little bit of like a softer hay, right?
1: It is a little bit of a softer hay, but here I think it's really acting still as that as that drum.
2: Mm, okay.
1: But one way you can think about it is. Would they actually have written the hey in the liner notes? Would it actually be a lyric of the song? Or is it really acting more like a drum? And I think here it's acting like a drum.
2: Yeah, totally, totally.
1: The other example from the list of songs that you sent along was uh, One Direction's Steal My Girl.
2: Yeah, another song I love. I'm sorry, I I love all of these songs pretty much.
1: And Steal My Girl here is going to be doing something just a little bit different. Rather than throwing the snare hit, that hey on the two and the four it's landing right on the downbeat the first beat of the measure and it's doing that for dramatic effect to go from this very low dynamic to a much louder portion of the song let's take a listen to it
0: queen we,
2: were 16, we want the same things, we dream the same dreams, all right. All right.
1: I love that track.
2: I love that song so much, dude.
1: It's got so much energy. And I think there you're hearing a lot more of that, that hey as a way of grabbing energy and building the song.
2: All right, cool. Two two in. So are we, is the third one, is the third one going to get to like where this is why everyone's. Doing this, like, did Max Martin just like go into a studio one day and like say like <laughs> say like, and now we will say hey?
1: Well, let's let's call this like two A. And I, what I want to do is actually a segment that we call Classical Masters, where we dig into the past to figure out where this hey is coming from.
2: Whoa, whoa, Classical Masters!
1: My favorite segment.
2: Okay, all right, let's do it.
1: We're not going to go too classical. We're going to go back into the 50s and 60s. And we're not going to necessarily find the first example of using hay um, in popular music, but probably the best example that that influenced the most artists.
2: Is is, If you had to guess, where would the first example come from? Do you have any idea? Hold that thought for one minute because we're going to go
1: way back in time in just a second. I think, though, that in terms of popular music, it really comes from the king of soul, James Brown. Really? There's this great moment in the biopic Get On Up when one of his band members asks him, what's with all the haze?
4: Mr. Brown, what's it mean when you lift your
1: shoulders and go, ha -ah!" (laughs) Yeah, so James Brown is famous for these vocal utterances that keep popping up throughout all of his super funky music. And he explains later on, just about a scene later in the film. What's this here? A snare, Mr. Brown. Us now what? A drum.
2: Correct. What's this? A guitar. <laughs> no, it's not.
0: Pee-wee, what's this? Drum, Mr. Brown. Now we're getting it. What's Maisie holding? A drum, Mr. Brown.
2: Fellas, what's them shiny things y'all holding over there? Drums. Now we all got our drums. Hit it! Oh my God. Oh my God. First of all, that song is so good. Uh, but that's so interesting. Just everything is a drum. Everything is rhythmic. Everything's a drum. I love that. I love that.
1: Every element of his music has got to have an essential rhythmic core. And while James is frequently not playing an instrument, what he's doing is he's asserting his vocal utterances as a form of rhythm, emphasizing offbeats, downbeats, whatever needs emphasis.
2: Oh, that's so interesting because, like, I, I guess I kind of knew that somewhere in the back of my mind that it never really, like, came up and was like, oh, yeah, he's like, as a vocalist, he's doing, like, super rhythmic stuff, like, in a way that's adding to the rest of the super tight, crazy James Brown rhythm. That's I never thought about that before. That's really cool.
1: And maybe going just a little bit further back, I think that he's probably pulling from one of his idols, Little Richard.
2: Oh snap. Yeah. <laughs> Here
1: we go. And so little Richard and, and James Brown are both pulling significantly from gospel traditions. They, you know, both grew up in the church and are are singing a lot of those utterances that they might have heard a preacher say.
2: Wait, whoa, whoa. We're going back into we're going back to church. I did not expect that to go there.
1: Yeah, so Little Richard was in a Pentecostal church. He was um, actually at one point as a kid chastised for shouting too loudly while he was singing. Really? And I think that this is um, sort of at its height in his song, Hey, 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 Hey. Hey, hey!
2: Oh my god <laughs> that's literally that's that's hey 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 hey, child Ow!
1: oh that is a beautiful scream
2: well done. thank you <laughs> i looked i
1: looked it up and there's there's i found over 30 songs just titled hey or hey hey or hey 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 okay little richards was the earliest that i found
2: okay okay interesting okay so you
1: also asked about well how far back does this go where is the first instance of the use of hay in music. Yeah. I think I can take us
2: pretty far back
1: to Shakespeare.
2: <laughs> okay. Do you want to go there? Please. Oh, my God. I did not expect that.
1: In Much Ado About Nothing, there's this poem. The poem goes, Sigh no more, ladies, sigh nor more. Men were deceivers ever, one foot in sea and one on shore. To one thing constant never, then sigh not so, but let them go and be your blithe and Bonnie converting all your sounds of woe into hey, nani nani.
2: First of all, this is crazy because I, like my first like major acting thing was playing like Benedict. Uh, in in Much Ado About Nothing, actually, my first kiss ever <laughs> was during Much Ado About Nothing.
1: I'm glad that this resonates. Um, but I have to ask you: Do you know what "Hey Nani
2: Nani means? Uh, the The only thing that I uh, the only thing that it means to me is like from Robin Hood, Men in Tights, where they're like "Hey Nani Nani and a ho ho ho. But I have no idea what "Hey Nani Nani means. does <laughs> it does it have to do with is it like is it kind of like, uh, Daddy Mommy uh, Sheet Monster time, to quote. <laughs> to quote 30 So
1: frequently, yes, Hey Nani Nani was used to cover up more lewd language, but it actually is really a meaningless word that just alludes to traditional English folk music and that Hey Nani Nani was a refrain used frequently kind of like using fa la 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 or something like that. Okay. It's something which is rhythmic, it has energy, and it gives everybody to sing along to. Okay, okay. In fact, using Hey as a rhythmic element in folk songs has become such a trope recently that someone made a hilarious YouTube video about a fake musician named Connor Redwood is supposedly the artist that says hey on all of these songs.
2: Hi, my name's Connor Redwood, and I yell hey in songs. What? And, uh, yelling hey, <laughs> it's my life. Oh my, how did you find this? You can hear my work in a number of different musicians' songs. Let's see, uh, The Looking Years. <laughs>
1: and then he goes on and claims that he says hey for of monsters and men (laughs) and also for (laughs) edward sharp and the magnetic zeros
2: that was first of all that video is incredible that's this is hilarious this is hilarious Uh, Second of all, I had no idea that there was a specific person that, you know, there was studio musicians who just sang, hey, like, thank you for showing me this. Thank you for showing me this and educating me.
1: Alex, you've been duped. No. Yes, yes, yes. This is clearly a spoof that this guy, Harris Alterman, made a fake video of a guy named Connor Redwood, a musician profile who supposedly is the person who says hey. And of course, it's a ridiculous joke. Right. How did, how
2: did you find this? <laughs> uh, some deep internet searching. <laughs> I'm glad I outsourced my journalism to you. <laughs> so basically
1: the part of the reason why you're hearing hey everywhere is that it is become incredibly cliche.
2: Well yeah. So I you know what I like I, I actually kind of noticed that. Like in listening to these songs, I would kind of I would kind of notice that people are starting to kind of play with it a little bit so instead of just like the normal hey oh uh, yeah there would be like people switching the pitch and like uh you know like doing it a little and doing like weird things with it is that where is that where you're about to take us you
1: know i think that is a perfect transition because i think the third reason why people use hey is simply to grab your attention ah. going back to our dictionary definition hey can be an interjection used as an exclamation point to grab someone's attention or, as the OED said, to actually annoy you.
2: <laughs> I think they hit the nail on the head there with uh, some of these songs, I gotta so, say. So
1: this is, this is a way that musicians are basically saying, hey, check out this moment in the song, it's important, you need to pay attention. And that's how they're using hey here.
2: Wait, so what moment exactly are you talking about?
1: There's a couple of them. Let's go back to One Direction and listen to Perfect. So what do you notice about that hay?
2: It transitions from one section to another.
1: Exactly, the hay is actually landing on sort of this strange beat. It's landing on the four and one and two and three and four Great. and exactly. And, and and so basically, just when we're about to go into the next section of the song, they say, "Hey, pay attention! Things are about to change. We're elevating the song. We're going to the chorus." Ah, okay. The other example, which uh, probably is uh, falls more in the capture your attention potentially even annoy is
2: oh tell me it's Bieber tell me this is Bieber <laughs> Bieber's one of them
1: but I was I was actually thinking of Kanye West's black skinhead
2: yeah that one too oh man yes yes I'm glad you went there
1: this is a, an amazing track uh, the first track off of his album Yeezus. and as he's going into the chorus there as you as you sort of hinted a manipulated version of hey almost these screams these guttural cries.
0: So follow me up, cause this shit about to go. I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go. And there's no way to slow. If we- that's, my,
2: that's my impression. <laughs> that is, that's a lot of like crazy manipulated haze.
1: Exactly. And he's really just here to grab attention. Kanye likes to grab attention. Yeah. It's a big part of his persona. And <laughs> yeah. he does it not just in the in, in the limelight but also within his music.
2: Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling you.
1: Okay, so the last the last song that we need to go to is absolutely Justin Bieber. Yes. Uh, we have to we have to listen to Sorry.
2: You got to go and get angry at all of my honesty i try but i don't do too well with apologies i hope i don't run out of time yeah that's i okay I, I i like that hey that's like that's like the calm head that's like that hey but then he has later he has one later that's like rah!
1: <laughs> he does have one later on the song that is a little bit louder
2: But you know that there is no innocent one in this game for two I'll <laughs> go
1: And I think the reason why this hey is there is is that same reason of trying to grab your attention because things are kind of quiet. But this is a dance hall song. This is a song which is going to bust out. And what he's trying to do is say, hey, pay attention. It's about to drop. You just got to give it another second.
2: Yeah. I, I, OK, that's interesting. OK,
1: right. He wants to sustain your attention. He doesn't want you to peace out, basically.
2: Right, right. And he's being like, all right, all right. Like you're getting the payoff. Like and here we go. Here we go.
1: Exactly. So three reasons that people are using Hey, they're hailing the listener, pulling them in and saying hello, most prominently using it for percussive effect and um, also there to grab your attention and hold your attention in a moment of the song where it needs you to stick around.
2: Yeah, man. Dude, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Like this is this is like very satisfying to like get like a full analysis of this little tiny thing that I've been seeing everywhere. And now I'm like, now I will actually pay even more attention when I like hear that going on and be like, okay, 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 Justin, I know it's about to drop. I know it's about to drop. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> now, can I ask you, like, do you think? I don't know if I'm allowed to turn yep. the tables on you. Uh, it is your show. Sure. Um, but no, you of course, please. Do you think that we've reached like? the logical extent of where the hay can go. And, like, you know, it's it's getting parody videos. It's, you know, Justin Bieber is manipulating it in a way that's kind of almost making fun of it. Like, where does hay go from here?
1: Have we reached hay saturation?
2: <laughs> yeah, have you reached hay saturation?
1: It reminds me of, actually, your very first episode... Of your show, Pitch, that you and your partner, Whitney Jones, did on the Clear Mountain Pause. This idea that in pop music, there are these extended pauses and that, that those originated somewhere. And in it, your um, in your interview, this woman, Karen Glauber, describes um, how oftentimes singers will put these sort of cheap things into the song to get participation, especially in nah, na na na's hand claps and other ways for artists to basically compel you to participate
3: if you're in the know if you know exactly how the song goes it's that anticipation that you know you're part of the in thing
4: you know to scream you're just waiting for the climax of it so
2: it's spectacularly manipulative
1: i kind of feel like this is the same thing and that once the magic is uncovered it's like uh i don't know if i want to say hey with you
0: oh, okay exactly
1: so i don't know i think maybe we're meeting hey saturation if i were a songwriter i might try to find a, another utterance to use oh like what womp
2: what? <laughs> you gotta go and get angry at all of my promises
1: womp <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my best suggestion
2: cool cool i'll i'll just email max martin at gmail.com and see what he says
1: all right Alex, so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for exploring the haze with me. Yeah,
2: and thank you for buzz marketing my podcast completely unsolicited.
1: <laughs> for sure. If you want to listen to all of these songs that say hey, we've posted a Spotify playlist on our website, switchedonpop.com. And also be sure to check out Pitch. It's really great. You can find episodes at pitchpodcast.org, itunes.com slash pitch, and you can follow them on Twitter at HerePitch and at Alex Kappelman.
0: Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. Support for this podcast comes from the IT experts at CDW, people who get it. At CDW, we get the Future Workplace works differently.
4: Today's my first day back. Almost forgot what floor we were on.
0: Understandable. But with modern health and safety technology orchestrated by CDW, the future can work better. Technology like thermal screening and occupancy tracking enables employees to walk confidently into the office. Wait, this isn't my floor. Is this even my building? Even if it's been a while. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash future of work.
1: There's so much great music that Nate and I listen to every day that doesn't make the top 40. Music that we just feel demands being broken down. So this week we're going to try something new and introduce a segment called Off the Charts. For our first piece, I met up with songwriter Aoife O'Donovan backstage at Largo to talk about her new album and single about my favorite time of day. It's called In the Magic Hour.
4: The magic hour. The magic hour. It means different things to different people, though, I will say. What does Uh, it mean to you? Well, to me, it was sort of trying to capture the time of day, sort of that kind of gloaming, dusky daylight, but the moon is out and the sun is not there anymore, but it's still still totally daylight.
1: Her album is inspired by childhood summers in Ireland, where the summer nights are long and the magic hour leaves you in this ambiguous in-between zone in the song, she takes us through the magic hour, moving from light to dark. In the magic
0: hour, when the moon is low,
1: and the sky is the kind of blue that you, think you know,
4: but you don't
1: know. So I wanna know, like, where are we going to go from here, I know, right? it's, it's
4: so tricky. It's like, is it going to go back to this, or is it going to go somewhere different? Yeah. And
1: that's the sort of wonderful thing about that in-between state of that time of day, is you're in the day, you're in the night, and you don't, right. don't know exactly. Right, right,
4: and I think it's also like, I don't know, it's a nostalgic song to me. Uh, and kind of the whole song is a, is a big sort of longing for childhood and longing for for that innocence and for that sort of belief in magic and belief in in the unknown. This one time, it must have been like in maybe like 1994 or, or 1995, I was in, I went to Ireland and I fell asleep. You, know, you get there in the morning, you take an overnight flight and I was really 12 or something. And I woke up and then I woke up and I, I had no idea what time it was or what day it was because I looked outside and it was like, it was n- kind of neither day nor night and I, I it was probably you know 9 p.m. Yeah. And I had taken this long nap and I woke up and I was like, is it the next day? Is it morning? Is it 7 a.m.? Is it? <laughs> and I really remember feeling that and being like running downstairs and being and they were having like a birthday party. It was my cousin's birthday and it was mm. totally nighttime, <laughs> but, but it was still light out. You know, it was this yeah. weird, very weird thing. Vivid memories.
1: She takes us back to those Ireland summers in the second verse, where she sings about childhood fairy tales, and the music takes a turn in harmony and tone. Where the first verse was upbeat and major, she ends her second verse firmly in a nostalgic minor chord, like she's playing that deep, dark blue far off in the night sky. And then she continues to further work out this metaphor in the chorus.
4: Oh, when I go,
1: She's taken us from childhood mirth and games into the imagined end of her life. And the chorus intentionally drags here. There are extra measures actually inserted into the song... When she sings Weigh My Body Down with Sticks and Stones, these extra measures pull and stretch the music as if pulling us down deep into the ocean.
4: When I go, would you throw my bones to the fish and weigh my body down with sticks and stones? Thematically, I'm saying, singing Oh When I Go, Would You Throw My Bones to the Fish. It's sort of like... That, like, you die, you live your whole life, it's a beautiful life, and then you die, and you're buried in a graveyard. And I've never wanted to be buried in a graveyard. I've always wanted to be thrown into the ocean, so, which I know is illegal. Um, but I'm hoping <laughs> yeah, somebody, will, somebody will sort of, you know, honor my final wish in 70 years when I die. Um, <laughs> Why not be 103? So that'll be, hopefully I'll make it that That's long. That's a great life. Yeah, but I've, I've always wanted to be thrown into the water. So it's sort of, it kind of, you go there in that chorus, and, you, and I don't know if people, you know, death is a lonely bride. It's like you're, you're sort of getting married to the ocean. You're, you're kind of meeting, meeting the end that way.
1: And then the song closes out by taking us back to the beginning, mimicking her opening lyrics, but this time with a different kind of view. The hour, when the
4: moonlight gleams. And the song progresses into sort of a recap of the first idea, like in the magic hour when the moonlight gleams. Mm-hmm. And the sky's the kind of gray that you've never seen until you've seen it. Like, it's a, this, this very specific color of gray. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of being children and running down to the, the bank, like this, this this beautiful beach that we used to be on as kids, and and then saying, like, in that hour, if you listen hard, it's a magic hour. You know, you'll hear the voice, like, you know, the voice of this, like, you'll hear my granddaddy singing far away like an evening star. And then I sort of end the verses with saying, I wish I was young again. I wish I was young again it's, it's funny, somebody said to me, they're like, why did you write that? You're still young. And I was like, well, I, the point is not like that I'm old. The point is that it's like you wishing that you were seven, you yeah. know, like five, eight. It's like you have to really wanting to be a child.
1: Just as the magic hour is this beautiful in-between moment with all hues of light, the song is transient and takes us from light to dark, from youth to old age. And the music mimics this passing with subtle shifts of minor and major and lyrical changes from blue sky to gray. You can find In the Magic Hour at Aoife's website, AoifeOdonovan.com. That's Aoife with the Irish spelling, A-O-I-F-E. You can also find her album pretty much anywhere where you get your music. The album is super moving. I really recommend checking it out. So now's the time that we check in with our co-host on hiatus to take our final trip in the time machine to listen to twenties and thirties jazz. Nate, you ready to go? Heidi ho, Charlie. Let's do it. Let's go back into the time machine in New York City, go up into Harlem and
3: check out some music together. Charlie, tonight we are venturing back up to Harlem to the Cotton Club, the jewel of Harlem's nightlife. We've been there a couple times. We have. I mean, Cotton Club is a fascinating place because at once it has the hottest stars and also the most reprehensible door policy that we talked about. They uh, do not let any... Clientele of color in the door, even though, again, this is a club in the heart of Harlem featuring star black entertainers. Man, it's such a complicated
1: history that you're dealing with. So, so, so take me there. What are we, uh, what are we listening to?
3: Well, we're here to listen to a show composed by Harold Arlen and his lyricist partner. Ted Kohler. At, at this time in the early 1930s, we don't know much about this character. Maybe we know that his real name is Hyman Arluck, and that he was the son of a canter from Buffalo, New York. And maybe we've heard the big hit that propelled them into the Cotton Club, a little song called Get Happy. Are you familiar with Get Happy Charlie? I can't say I know this track. It's a really good one. Nice. It's not until the other end of this decade in 1939 that Harold Arlen will finally become a household name as a result of composing the score for The Wizard of Oz. Wizard, the of Oz? Yes, the Wizard of Oz. It's uh responsible for what some call the greatest song in American history. Over the somewhere rainbow somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah.
1: Oh, definitely.
3: But when we find him at the cotton club in the early nineteen thirties, we are not hearing somewhere over the rainbow. We are not hearing if I only had a brain. We are not hearing what's another song from The Wizard of Oz, Charlie? <laughs> Five, uh, four, uh, uh, three, well, two, one. All I've got is all, the Yellow Brick Road one.
1: That's that's all I got. That's, that's a <laughs> I'm classic. An, I'm, a one, I'm a one-trick pony. No, no, you got it. You
3: got it. The point is we're not hearing golden age Hollywood songs. Harold Arlen, in his four-year tenure at the Cotton Club, is responsible for some of the hottest, sexiest jazz songs of the early 1930s. Songs like Stormy Weather.
2: Don't know why there's
0: no sun up in the sky
3: Storm- And one of my personal favorite songs of all time this is a, a version later sung by Frank Sinatra I've got the world on a string I love that track. I sing that song. Yeah, it's a good one, right? I got the world on a string. There you go. Sitting on a rainbow. Ooh, you got you can you got your old blue eyes is pretty good, Charlie. That was very, uh, that was very convincing.
0: What a world. What a life
2: I'm in
3: In the early 1930s, Harold Arlen is the staff songwriter at the Cotton Club, and he's writing dirty, low-down, hot jazz numbers. Uh, In my research, what I'm interested in, though, like with the other musicians we've profiled, Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington, I'm interested in how Arlen simultaneously projects two different visions of Harlem, and as a result, two different visions of, uh, of, of black culture and black identity. Uh, we've seen that Harlem I- attracts tourists by promoting itself as the exotic, dangerous, uh, lurid nightlife capital of the world. At right. the same time, Harlem is this incredibly cultural, uh, political. Uh, new f- new forms of of black consciousness are constantly emerging. Harlem is uh, what what one writer called the city of refuge. So these two competing visions of Harlem you can hear in Arlen's music. Great, so what's the track? So we can start with the first vision of Harlem in a song like Primitive Prima Donna.
2: Just in case that you don't know, I am the prima donna of this show.
3: But if we're could make it so, I wouldn't
0: be here. That's what it is. It's the jungle that's in my soul
2: I'm a primitive prima donna I'm supposed to be refined
1: They're clearly toying with, as you said, this the sort of primitivist narrative of jazz while also asserting how sophisticated and, uh, and
3: complex it is at the same time. Yeah, this is like just a a classic trope of the of the era. You know, the the African-American female singer is supposed to be refined, but she can't fight the jungle that's in her soul. You know, it was it was understood that the like primal essence of of black Americans was uh, bound to come out sooner or later. Uh, So this song definitely reinforces those notions and. You can imagine the the distaste that uh, a singer having to perform this at the Cotton Club for an audience of entirely white patrons would feel. I mean, it's just, ugh, it's not... It's disgusting. It really is. And yet, that represents one side of, of Harold Arlen and Ted Kohler's songwriting, and then on the other, you know, in a in a, in a show just a year later at the Cotton Club... You could hear a song by them, like Raisin' the Rent.
4: Good luck has cost me, bad luck has forced me Down to my last one cent I'm right in the middle of solving that riddle Known as raising the rent Still beg a-borrow, got till tomorrow Landlord's a mean old gent it's come to a showdown, and he wants to low down, if I'm raising my
1: rent. Okay, this is a super modern song. This is like gentrification in Harlem today.
3: <laughs> yeah, it re- I, I didn't make that connection, but you're absolutely right. I mean, this is could not be more different than prim- the primitive prima donna song that we just heard. I mean, this is like kind of a ripped from the headlines of Harlem life song. Yeah, People in Harlem were having a really hard time making rent. Uh, one study showed that they might have actually paid as much of a, as a 50% markup as the rest of the city. Oh, my gosh. Just because, frankly, landlords could get away with it. There wasn't a lot of other options for black people to live in New York City at that time. That's so criminal. They kind of had to pay. Um, and there was a certain mystique, actually, that grew around this. Because what developed was this phenomenon known as the rent party where people would basically throw these massive, like, night-long parties in their houses uh, and charge money at the door and basically make their rent for the month. Wow. Um, but, But these parties were legendary. I mean, live music, great food, dancing till the early mornings. I mean, you know, this is a side of Harlem that people going to the Cotton Club uh, wouldn't necessarily be able to access. But in a way, they're still learning about it and they're still discovering it. Like, again, a really real and present slice of Harlem life uh, in this very not real, surreal space of the Cotton Club. That's, oh, wow. So so Harlan's definitely pulling from both sides of, of the history of Harlem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hard to say that he and Ted Kohler were simply capitalizing on what you rightly called the sort of primitivist myth of Harlem. Um they were they were really painting the whole picture of what Harlem was like in the twenties and thirties. And what's remarkable is that these songs have had a long afterlife. Not those songs necessarily. But take a song like Stormy Weather. Yeah. This was one of the most popular songs of the next few decades. Uh, Since it was debuted in 1933 at the Cotton Club, it became not only a a nationally popular song, but a song especially popular within Harlem. So a song written by a pair of white Jewish songwriters uh, sort of, was reappropriated by jazz musicians, by blues singers, by in one case I found an account of a guy selling fish in the street and using the lyrics of Stormy Weather, except replacing <laughs> it with like I've got mackerel. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so this is a this is a moment that's that's kind of exciting to me because uh, it's the vector of appropriation is moving in the opposite direction that you usually encounter during this time, where, you know, white musicians are appropriating black style. Uh, Here, it's slightly, I guess it's, if, if you trace the whole thing, it would be, uh, the white songwriter Harold Arlen appropriating uh, African American jazz and blues to write a song, which then in turn uh, becomes reappropriated by the African American community and and changed into all these these new connotations. Fascinating. That seems like a very equal and productive site of exchange, which uh, you know, f- to happen in 1933. Uh, in Jim Crow America, is 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 not common. No, yeah, I'm looking at some
1: some common renditions. You have Louis Armstrong, Oscar Peterson, Etta James, Billie Holiday.
3: It's a testament to to how uh, how firmly a part of like the musical firmament this a song like Stormy Weather has become. Is there a particular version that we should listen to? Oh, great, uh, great question. It couldn't hurt to go with the original Ethel Waters. I mean, if you want to hear what, what it was really like back then, this is it. it. might not be the best, but it's right from the source. Don't know
2: why There's no sun up in the sky
4: Stormy weather Since my man and I ain't together Keeps raining on
3: Time. Charlie, let me say thank you so much for uh, accompanying me up to uh, Harlem of the 20s and 30s, taking the time machine with me, going up to the Cotton Club, Connie's Inn, and Small's Paradise, and listening to the astonishing music of Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, Harold Arlen, and others. Uh, this has been really fun and, and just a, a real treat for me.
1: Oh it's been astounding. I feel like I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Different sounds, different kinds of music are always informed by place and intersections between cultures and can't be defined simply by one or two sounds or one or two
3: ideas. That it's complex. It's 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 complete in the whole history of, of a place, people, and so on. Wow. That was that was good. I'm glad we recorded that cuz I'm going to steal that, transcribe it and make it the uh, epilogue of my of my thesis. So <laughs> cheers Charlie you're welcome and the most important thing
1: I learned is that I love going out to see music with you and we got to keep doing this
3: absolutely to be continued
1: really excited to have you back on the show in a couple of weeks raining all
4: the time. keeps raining all the time
1: Today's episode was produced by me, Charlie Harding, and by my co-host, Nate Sloan. We want to give a huge thank you and shout out to Alex Kaplinen, who produces the podcast Pitch, which is a narrative show that goes deep into the world of music. It's really extraordinary. Check it out at pitchpodcast.org. And if you exhaust the entire catalog of Pitch, you can find more Switched On Pop episodes on our website, switchedonpop.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at SwitchedOnPop. And sorry to beg for it, but we'd really love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes. And come back in two weeks because we have, I think, one of our best episodes yet. We're talking to one of the songwriters of one of last year's biggest songs. I Can't give it away, but I promise it's not to miss. Until then, thanks for listening.